Good morning, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parsha Shmini, Tovshin Pei Gimel. We're continuing the Shir and Likutei Halachas, Yoradeya, Chelik Sheni, Hilchas Shavuos, Halacha Beis, Paragraph Chof Zayin. We dedicate the learning today, Li'ilu Nishmas, Yenta Fratel Bas Rabbi Yishu'arye, Harini Kapuras Mishkova, and for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Chaviva Chana Bas Gaulia, Michal Esther Bas Ruhia, Gitganendel Bas Sipoira, Lebelei Bas Sipoira, Yaakov Yeshua Ben Freindel Rechel, Shlemenisa Ben Mazel, Avram David Ben Chana, Miriam Esther Bas Soregitl, David Lei Ben Shena, Boruch Mordechai Ben Tali, Soraleya Bas Chavaliba, Avigail Brocha Bas Shira Dvoira, Chaim ben Rachel, Chaim Arye ben Brocha, Idis bas Miriam Brindel, Michal Sora bas Hadassah, Tov Yitzvi ben Chayaliza, Ella bas Sora, David Chaim ben Ella, Hadassah bas Chiyachava, David ben Behia, Shendel bas Leia, Yehudis Ruchama Bas Chavaruz, Ami Ben Chai Ben Yehudis Gila, Rivka Chana Bas Sheshana, Besoich Shar Choyli Yisrael. Rav Nosan now is speaking about the topic of the teaching one's grandchildren Torah. And based on what we've been learning here about purifying the emes and trying to get to the real emes, we'll understand why it's a mitzvah for a father to teach his son and grandson. Because we already emphasize that the main purification of the emes is when it's all the way at the end. We mentioned that there are people that start off with emes, with a little bit of emes, in order to, to entice people to accept their opinion, <clears throat> but then they end up veering off course. And the real shlemus of emes is when it's from beginning to the end. V'hine ikar etzem ho'emes, shehu yediya samita selekusei b'shlemus, Rav Nassau says now, the real, real truth, which means realizing the, the ultimate truth about Hashem, the way each and every one of us is supposed to, that will only be revealed all the way at the final end. When the time will arrive, for everyone to receive their very word. Because as is known, the real reward for Jews who serve a proper type of life will be a true, accurate, clear recognition and understanding of Hashem. 
As the Pasuk says in Yeshaya Navi, chapter 61, Venosati pe'ulosom be'emes. I, I will give their work, Hashem says, I'll, I'll, I'll reward them for all of their efforts with truth. That'll be the reward, the realization and recognition of, of pure truth. Rav Nosanzal says, however, not just all the way at the end, but even now, whenever we're trying to get to the truth about anything, the most important part of it is the conclusion, the final conclusion. Lamashal, for example, when a person is learning Torah and trying to clarify, trying to come to an understanding of what the halacha is regarding a certain item, what the law is. Even though when the person first starts studying it, they come up with different ideas and different reasons why they believe the halacha should be such and such. However, the person hasn't gotten to the truth, to the real truth, until they get to the final conclusion. Until the person is to clarify what the actual halach is, for real. The as the Pasuk says in Kohelis, because the end is more important than the beginning. When people start out discussing a certain issue and people present their ideas about it, and as the discussion evolves, it becomes clearer and clearer what's right. The initial, the initial logic and reasons that people presented which at the beginning might have seemed correct, might have seemed right, as they continue to go along, things become clearer and clearer, and then they get to a final conclusion, which hopefully everybody realizes, oh, this is the real truth. Because the word emes is unique in that it has the first letter, it starts off with the first letter of the Aleph base, the Aleph, then the Mem, which is the middle letter of the Aleph base, and then the Tuf, which is the last letter, the final letter of the Aleph base. And this tells us that MS truth is only really truth when it's from beginning to end. And when we're talking about honesty, truthfulness, and truth, it's got to be true from beginning to the middle to the end. Meaning, In order for a person to get to the real truth, the person has to be honest. And their intentions have to be 100% honest and sincere from beginning to end, that the only thing they're really interested in is the real truth, the, what's really right. For example, 
when a person is, is involved in business, those people that go out to work and do business, and if somebody will ask this person, why are you killing yourself so much? Why are you working so hard? You don't rest during the day. At night, you don't sleep. What, 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 what are you intending to, to produce out of all of this? Most people will respond, what can I do? I have to work to, to support my kids. To give them a proper education, a Jewish education, and to marry them off, you need a lot of money. And Rav Nusenzal says, there definitely is a lot of truth to this. Because there definitely is a responsibility on the part of parents to support their children, to take care of the kids. However, despite that, it's not really 100% true. Because it is not the Torah way, the correct Jewish way for a person to, to give up completely on having a life in this world and having a life in the future world, to, to kill themselves totally, to, to, take, to provide for their kids. And to make the less important thing as if it were the most important thing, and the most important thing to make it less important, meaning for the person to throw away their, their connection to Torah and Tefillah. I can't go to shul to daven. I can't learn. I have to work, work, work. And to chase after money the person's whole life. And the person accomplishes nothing really with all of that effort. And in most cases, all of this extra killing oneself doesn't necessarily result in wealth, in, in true wealth. Because as the Pasuk says in Tehillim, that Parnosa doesn't come from the West or from there. And it's not with physical strength that a person will, will achieve success. Because Hashem definitely can support a person by, by a person putting a, a minor effort putting in some type of effort into it. And through some type of a, an event that Hashem can take care of the person. And therefore our rabbis warn us in Pirkei that the proper way for a Jew to live is that their Torah learning, their, their Yiddishkeit, should be the main thing in their life. That should be firmly established. And the work 
the, the working should be le- not as firm, not as strict as their commitment to Torah and Tefillah. It should be in a responsible manner. We're not talking about being completely irresponsible here. We're not talking about a person not putting in any effort at all. But with between the two, it should be perfectly clear to the person themselves and to their family what's more important. And as the Pasuk says in Yermi Anavi, and our rabbis tell us in the Mechilta, Take a look, how did your forefathers support themselves? How were they able to support themselves? Now Rav Nosanzal switches to the wealthy people. And he says there are many people that are quite wealthy and still they don't stop. They're still going to business eight o'clock in the morning. They still can't go to shul. They can't, you know, their commitment to work is a full-time commitment and overtime. And they also say that their intentions are sincere. They're doing this for the right reasons. However, it isn't really 100% true. It's not really just about supporting themselves, about being having enough to live. Because a person knows deep down inside how honest they're really being, or, or if they're fooling themselves, or, or fooling other people. And so too, regarding the study of Torah, there are many different levels of, of truth, of how honest and sincere the person is in their study of Torah. And Hashem knows the real truth, what, what a person's reasons really are for why they're learning Torah whether it's for personal self-glorification or honor, or whether it's to serve, to be able to serve Hashem properly, to be a better person, a better human being in serving Hashem and in how, how a person interacts with other people. And real truth is when it's the truth from beginning to end. When a person is honest from beginning to end, there's no dishonesty or insincerity involved whatsoever. And it's for this reason why it's so important for a person not just to learn themselves, but to teach their children and their grandchildren. Because by having three generations like this, a father, a son, and a grandson, all studying Torah, committed to Torah properly, through that, the truth will be brought forth with clarity. Because a father, son, and grandson represent the three channels of Emes, the Aleph, the Mem, the Tov, the beginning, the middle, and the end. 
And that's the real complete truth. And this is why the Gemara and Baba Metzia gives a guarantee, in a sense, that any family where the father, the son, and the grandson are all learned in Torah, the Torah will continue in their family, will continue to be passed on from generation to generation. Because once you have three generations in a row, this level of consistency in Torah, it means they've already succeeded in clarifying the emes and getting to a certain madrega, a certain level of shlemus of emes. A person might ask, but what do you mean? There were, genera- there were cases like this, and then 10 generations later, somebody was not religious at all. Not- the answer is, the Gemara is not saying this as a, as a perfect rule that always, the Gemara is saying this as a, as a powerful general statement, that once you have three generations in, in a row, that establishes a certain precedent, a certain foundation, which makes it much easier and much more likely that the subsequent generations will also retain their connection to Torah. The Gemara also makes a statement that the Torah is that even in certain cases, in certain families, where a member of the family veers off the track, it doesn't mean that the whole that it'll continue that way. It's very possible that the next generation will veer back onto the track. The next generation or a generation after that. And now we can also understand the foundation of Klal Yisrael, which is based on our three forefathers, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. And the Torah stresses throughout that the one of the three that's known for his emes is Yaakov Avinu, the, the real perfection of emes. Even though Avram Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu also certainly served Hashem with honesty and sincerity. However, since Avram Avinu was the first person to really broadcast the MS to the world, to broadcast the message about Hashem to the world, that's why the Torah doesn't label him as the as emes, and also not Yitzchak Avinu. It's only when we get to the third generation, Yaakov Avinu, Shehu Hashlishi Shehu Yaakov Avinu represents the tough of the word emes, the end the shleimus, the completion of emes, shezeh ho'ikar, that's the most important thing. V'alkein, 
שני מקדושות שהיו בזכות אברהם ויצחוק, נחרבו. ו-two base המקדשים, the first two base המקדשים, which were in the merit of אברהם אבינו ויצחוק אבינו, were able to be destroyed. והבייס השלישי, שנקרא על שם יעקב, whereas the third and final base המקדוש, which we're waiting for, that one is, which is, which is, corresponds to Yaakov Avinu, Yiskayim, will be permanent. It will be, it'll never be destroyed. As the Gemara says, and as it says in a Pesach in Hosea, Yechayenu miyoyimoyim, bayoyim hashlishi, yekimenu v'nich yelefonu. Hashem will give us life in the two previous days, but on the third day, he will establish us and we will live onward, we'll live permanently, referring to that third Beis HaMikdosh. Ki Beis HaMikdosh, hoyo ikr birur ho'emes, al yidei ho'avoydois shazgushan, because the Beis HaMikdosh was the location on earth where you had the greatest refinement of the truth as a result of all the avoida that was done in the Beis HaMikdosh by the Kohanim, the Levim, and Yisraelim. Again, a trio. And that's why you had the highest level body of rabbis, the Sanhedrin Agdoila, who sat in a chamber in the Beis HaMikdosh, to clarify and refine all the laws of the Torah, to get to the ultimate truth. As the Pasuk says, from Yerushalayim, from the Beis HaMikdosh, will go forth the, the highest level clarity of Torah. And as it says clearly in Chomish Dvarim, when you'll have a question regarding justice, you won't know how to, how, to, how to make a decision. You won't know what the real truth is. You'll pick yourself up and you'll go up to the place. You'll go up to Eretz Yisrael, to Yerushalayim, to the Beis HaMikdosh. Because there they will enlighten you regarding what the truth is. However, unfortunately, because of all these sins and all the mistakes and all the damage that was caused by those sins throughout the generations, we were not to complete this refinement of the emes. So that unfortunately, when we had the first base Hamikdash, there was a major split in Klal Yisrael, major machloikis, by Yeruvam ben Avot and his gang, his crew, and when it came to the second base Hamikdash, again, major conflict in Klal Yisrael, unwarranted hate and, and disunity, and each one said, I'm right. I am the real truth. Because Rav Nosenzal says that the fact is, whenever somebody is opposing the real truth, 
they're, they're claiming that they're the truth, they're the right ones, their path is the right path. And this resulted in the Beis being destroyed twice. However, despite all of these problems, despite all of these falls, the tzaddikim of each and every single generation continue to refine and further refine the emes. However, the highest level of perfection of emes will, will be through Moshiach. As it says until him, Shlach Orcho Vaamitcho. Hashem send us your light and your truth, referring to Moshiach. Uchsiv, and there's another passage that says, Nishba Hashem Ladovid, Emes Loyoshov Mimeno. Hashem has sworn to Dovra Melech that eventually the truth will come out, that the truth will not leave the family of Dovra Melech. And then the third base of Mitish will be built, which corresponds to Yaakov Avinu, who represents a certain level of completion. That's the completion, that third and final base of Mitish, that'll be the real completion of Emes. Because the real refinement and revelation of truth to the highest level is only at the end. Any questions, please? Yes. You mentioned the the three fathers and the significance of Rosh Toch Sof. What about with the mothers, the four mothers? And I guess we're going to get to it at some point, but is there something we see from the four? I know that regarding the letter Shkin, which has three heads and corresponds to Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, we know that in our Tefillin, we have two shins. We have a shin of three heads and a shin of four heads. And the number seven represents a certain level of shleimus. We know that <coughs> when a person is sitting shiva, there's the first three days and then the last four days. There is this concept of the, the co- combination of the three and the four. But right now, Rav Nelson is focusing on, on the emes, the word emes, which is three, representing these three. We know the three spheroids of Chesed, Gevura, Teferis are a set, a certain set. They're called Ovois. The four spheroids beneath them are called Bonim. It's, it's, a, it's a, another level, a different level. We know that we've spoken about this in the past, that the woman has three different positions. She can be beneath the man, Vahu Yim Shalbach, she can be parallel to the man, as when we have the letter Vav with a dot on the side of it, the U sound. And then there's a concept of Eishes Chayel Ateres Balo, that the woman can become the crown on her husband's head. She can go even above. But, but in general, we have this concept of 
Tiferes and Malchus, Emes and Emuna. Emes is 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 the Avoisaktoshim, and Emuna is the the women, the Ishayirasashamita Salom. And Emuna sometimes is is looked upon as being below Emes, and sometimes there's a a, a level of Emuna that's above Emes. There's a famous Pasuk in Kohelis where it says two are better than one because if one falls, the second one is there to pick him up. And when there's a triple-stranded string, that will never be able to be, that'll be indestructible. <clears throat> because usually two is better than one regarding all types of different things. <clears throat> because this is a very important rule. Everything that's taking place in the world, everything that's going on in the world is all about this birur ho'emes, trying to clarify and refine the truth, which is synonymous with what the Sifrei Kabbalah say about trying to refine the holy sparks that have fallen into darkness, into tumult, as we explained in the previous year. And therefore, two is definitely better than one, meaning, because one person alone cannot refine the truth, cannot really achieve a level of clarity in the truth. Because we already explained in paragraph Vav earlier, that an obvious truth, that's not the real, real definition, the real meaning of the word truth, when something is perfectly obvious and there's no question about it whatsoever. When, when we talk about truth, achieving the truth, getting to the truth, we're talking about in a scenario where it's easy to make a mistake. It's easy to see things differently. And despite that, a person is able to realize the truth, to come up with an accurate understanding regarding something. And that's why you have to have two. Because whenever you have two people, you're definitely dealing with two different opinions. No two people think exactly alike. Because as the Gemara says in Brochus, page 58, and as is well known, people think differently. The Gemara says, just, just like our faces are different, our thoughts, our ideas are different. 
And therefore, when two people are studying halacha, trying to understand what the final verdict is in a discussion in Torah, and one asks a question, one challenges the other one with a question, you, you say that it's this and this, but it can't be because X, Y, Z. And then the other person has to answer, has to respond to that question. No, I have an answer to your question. Your question doesn't disprove what I'm saying. One person destroys and the other person builds, meaning one person tears down a different opinion and the other person gives proof and support to that opinion. This is what brings a clarity, a real clarity and truth to the, to the final result. As Rashi Kodesh explains over there, However, it's possible sometimes when two people are arguing about a situation, it's possible sometimes for them not to be able to, to arrive at a final agreement where one ends up agreeing to the other one. And therefore they cannot get to a to know which is really right. Therefore, the Torah tells us you need that third person there, that triple-stranded thread. And that represents the real perfection of truth. When there's a clear, <coughs> a clear leaning towards one of the two opinions, when there's a third person comes along and hears both sides and understands both sides and says, I believe this is the right opinion. Because the real perfection of MS is when you're dealing with three, specifically, corresponding to the beginning, the middle, and the end, this concept. Rav Nosenzal will bring this later, but he mentions it in other places, the famous Gemara, which says that Hashem gave us the Torah on the third month, Sivan, on the third day, meaning after three days of preparation, he gave it through the third child of Yocheved, Moshe Rabbeinu, and he gave us the Torah. The Torah is comprised of three divisions, Torah, Nevi'im, Ksuvim, all coming in three. And we know that when we call up a person to the Torah, in order to give a person an aliyah to the Torah, we must read at least three psukim for, the, for, for, for each person. And the minimum number of aliyahs is three aliyahs that we call up on Monday and Thursday, all because all showing us that the Torah is emes. The Torah is all about emes. I see a question in the chat that in an earlier halacha, possibly Hilchas Ribis Halacha Hey, there we learn that deviating from the Emes, straying from the Emes began when Chava was created. That as soon as there were two, now there became a potential for, for Sheker. 
if you look back again, there's a, the, the wording there is, it's based on chapter 51 in Likut Imran. Rab, Rab, says that when there's one, when there's one, there's no potential for Sheker. When there's only one, the moment there's two or more, now there's already a potential for good and bad, right and wrong, that kind of concept. That's, that's what Rabbein Azal teaches over there in Torah Nun Aleph, and Rabbein Azal speaks about it in many places. But here we're being told that, again, when there's two, when two people, the concept of a chavrusa, how two people learn Gemara or Halacha or any Torah together, <clears throat> and they don't think exactly alike, but they get together and they argue and each one tries to prove his point, that's already a major step towards coming to the MS because it's very easy for a person to fool themselves, to think that their opinion is correct until somebody else comes along who thinks differently and is able to show them what you thought, I, I can disprove it. And, and sometimes each one of them defends their opinion and they're able to defend their opinion pretty strong. And sometimes a person isn't willing to hear, to really hear the other side well enough. And a third person comes along and can finalize the decision, you know, can, can make, can bring them to a final decision. A question, is this true for two chavrusas on the same level or also with a Rebbe and Talmud? Does a, ra a rabbi need a student to get to the Emes? <clears throat> It would seem, yes, it would seem that even with a Rebbe and Talmud, that we have the famous mission in Perkiovois, where one of the rabbis said, I learned a lot from my rabbis. I learned more from my friends and still more from my students. And we had it earlier. We had the case of Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lokish. And Rabbi Nosenzal is going to bring it again soon. He's going to quote it again. <coughs> How Reish Lokish, who started out as a student of Rabbi Yochanan, way, way, way below, and he rose through the ranks, and every time Rabbi Yochanan would say something, Reish Lokish would challenge it, would tear it down, and Rabbi Yochanan had to defend himself every time, and this brought a, a level of clarity to the Torah. We have this throughout Shas, maybe a hundred times or more, Machloikis Rabbi Yochanan Reish Lokish, battling <clears throat> And Reish Lokish trying to disprove Rabbi Yochanan again and again. And when Reish Lokish died, Rabbi Yochanan was, was horrified. He cried bitterly. <clears throat> and, and when Rabbi Elazar ben Pedas, who was one of the next students in line, a very, very a major Talmud Chacham, and when Rabbi Yochanan would say something, and Rabbi Elazar ben Pedas would say, I can give proofs to show that what, what my Rebbe said is right, Rabbi Yochanan said, who needs your proofs? I need Reish Lakish. I need somebody to fight, to tear me down and to force me to defend myself because that's where the real clarity of Torah comes forth. Now, again, this isn't always the case. This is one aspect of refining the truth. This doesn't mean that if a student doesn't argue with his Rebbe, doesn't disagree with his Rebbe, you know, he's not doing justice. That's not the case. That's not the case. I know, I remember, <clears throat> I'm not going to mention names at all for an important reason, but I remember when I first came to, to Breslov as a teenager, 
and I met my Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld, Zichron of Rocha. <clears throat> and as I started to get to know him, I saw that this person was on an incredible, incredible high level in Torah, in Nigla, in Nistar, number one, uh, in Nigla, smicha, yore, yore, yodin, yodin. in his smicha, it said, thoroughly knowledgeable in all of Talmud Bavli, all of Talmud Yerushalmi, all four sections of Shulchan Aruch. In another smicha, it said, Boki in the Zohar Kodesh, and writings of the Arizal. In a third smich, it said, blessed, fortunate is the community which will take him as their rabbi, as their guide. And the more I got to, to see and hear, I was wowed more and more all the time. And I saw that one of his students, who was from a previous generation, <clears throat> 10, 12, 15 years older than me and older than our Hevra, that there were times that that he would be in the presence of Rav Rosenfeld and he would be doing something differently or, or, or say that he disagreed with something or Rav Rosenfeld would find out that he was doing something against or different from what Rav Rosenfeld had taught. And Rav Rosenfeld would, would, would present this to him and he took a casual attitude of, you know, that, you know, don't accept it. Don't don't agree. And and it ended up years later. It come out that there were major, major, major mistakes. That even though this student was bright, and and had a had a high level aptitude and everything, still a completely completely different league than Rav Rosenfeld. You know, not not one one thousandth to to be compared. In, in the framework of Torah Shebenigla, of Gemara and Halacha, which is the basic, the basis of Yiddishkeit. <clears throat> and if a person is, is studying Kabbalah without a proper foundation in Halacha, <clears throat> there's incredible room for error. <clears throat> because when a person goes into that realm of studying the deeper portions of Torah, the Gemara says, Kol menu. He gets a different league, Yetzahara. A person who's studying <coughs> baby stuff in Torah gets a baby Yetzahara. A person who wants to study the deeper, deepest, deeper or deepest portions of Torah, they, that person has a different Malach completely. And, and unless the person is very grounded, and unless the person realizes and never forgets their position, it's, there's, there's tremendous room for error, Rahman al-Islam. We see even with Reish Lokish, the example that Rav Nosazal gives, that even though Rabbi Yochanan loved him so much and appreciated so much all of this, there was an incident where Rabbi Yochanan said something very sharp to Reish Lokish, and Reish Lokish bounced back and said something very sharp to Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yochanan looked at Reish Lokish, and he died on the spot. He was killed on the spot. And, and Bashkocha, we're reading this week's Parsha. <clears throat> this week's Parsha is Parsha Shmini. And, and we read about Nodov and Avihu, where the Torah says, that in coming, in trying to come close to Hashem, they died, they were killed. 
on on the on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the, the happiest day for Klal Yisrael, the day that the Mishkan was established permanently and all kinds of other great things. And yet there was tremendous danger. They crossed a certain line and they, they were killed immediately. They came back to Gilgal to be able to correct it, but etc. But but we see that that as much as it's important to have this give and take, never to forget, never for any person to forget what their position is. There's a story with Rav Zal and Rav Naftali Zal, who are the two closest students of Rav Zal. And during the towards the end of Rav Zal's life, when he moved to Uman and he befriended these three atheists, Jewish atheists, Herzber and his sons-in-law, who weren't just atheists, but they were the, the founders of the reform movement in Ukraine, major leaders. And, and, and Rabbi Nezal befriended them, and they had tremendous, tremendous love and respect for him. But, but we're told how Rabbi Nezal dealt with them in an incredible, ingenious method. And Rabbi Nezal would play chess with them. And in playing chess, you know, the, 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 the motivation a person wants to win and they would play solid. They play very, very strong. And, and as you're playing, sometimes you get excited about the game. Sometimes, again, a person could forget who's who. And Rav Zal and Rav Naftali Zal once walked in on a situation where Rav Zal was sitting with them playing chess. And when Rav Zal Rav Naftali Zal would come to Rav Zal, they would walk in like they were walking into the Beis Hamikdash like they were walking into the presence of the Shekhinah with tremendous Yira Sakovoid. So then, and, and they, they, they walked in and they saw this game going on and they saw the camaraderie in a sense with which these guys were, were, were playing with Rabbeinazal. And, and they, they were shocked. And Rabbeinazal commented <coughs> that with them I play chess, with you, I lead countries, meaning that there were different groups of different types of students. And sometimes a Rebbe will lower himself to a certain level to play ball or to, to, to lower himself to a certain level in order to accommodate a, a student who's, who's on that kind of level. But again, the, the right Rebbe is able to deal with all levels. He's able to take the person who's furthest away and make them feel close. And he's able to take people who are the most advanced and be able to, to show them that they still have a lot, a lot to learn if they're willing, if they're willing, if they don't forget their position, they don't forget where they are. Any questions? Rabbi, yes. In uh, it seems today in many communities you have people who are learning individually. They pick up a book. They pick up. They listen to shiurim online or 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 any other kind of you know form like that. Where people learn in sh in shir, they go to shiurim. But the idea of harusa seems in many communities is is less and less uh, focus. Um, is that, do you think that's a, something of the times that, that there's so much Torah be, to be learned or, or is that something that we're missing? What do you think? I believe the answer is both. That number one, 
there isn't really a substitute for this type of chavrusa learning. When we see, you know, that it's, it's, it, there might be a very, very, very rare exception to this rule. A person who's on an incredible high level, who's able to learn without a chavrusa and still able to get to a, a very high level of emes. But Rav Zal is telling us here, and the Torah tells us throughout, that this, the correct methodology of really getting the benefits of Torah and really getting to the truth requires a minimum of two, and then again, a, a third very often, to get, to get to a certain level of emes. When it comes to halacha, let's say, especially, it's, there are warnings given that there are many rabbis who put out svarim kitzer shulchan aruch odom shulchan which are much lighter and easier methods of learning halacha. But in those svarim generally, and and people that write about those svarim give a warning that those svarim are necessary because there's a majority of klal yisrael that does that cannot. Or, or will not learn the, the big Shulchan Aruch, the Mogan Avram and Taz, or the Shach and Taz, different places, which is much more, much deeper and, and much more this back and forth, giving conflicting ideas, especially when we talk about the Tur Shulchan Aruch, with the Machaber there who brings all the, di the different opinions in the Gemara, and then the different opinions of the Rishonim, and then how we get how he's drawing his final conclusion that you cannot compare in in ninety nine percent of cases I would say maybe even a hundred you cannot compare a person who learned the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch or the Chaya all of those shortened versions you know versus a person who started from the Gemara and and learned the Gemara the, the conflicting opinions in the Gemara. And then study the Rishainim, and then study the Achroinim, and 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 then got down to the, the final. No comparison, and that type of learning is done in the right type of kolel, the right type of setting, where they're learning. <clears throat> they're learning. The purpose of learning is like we saw earlier. Lasuke It's not just learning for the sake of arguing for the sake of arguing. It's arguing. It's it's presenting conflicting opinions in order to get to the truth, in order to get to know the emes and the emes lamito, the real truth. So during in today's times, unfortunately, and this is what's written many of these form right in the introduction, that because the world has become in, in, evolved into such a state, and this is not just today, in the, in the past hundreds of years, where most people don't and or cannot have the time, you know, to be able to do the the ultimate, the best type of learning, which is this chavrusa learning and going starting from the Gemara and going into the Rishonim and Tachronim. That's why these abridged versions were given, <clears throat> so that those people that can't do that won't be left out completely. They'll be able to get a 60-70% education of halacha, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but to be very clear that they shouldn't make a mistake 
and think that they are already qualified to, to put psak for themselves or for others based on that kind of a limited knowledge versus going to a qualified psak who has done that higher form of learning, you know, who, who generally has much, much, much more clearer knowledge of the emiss of the Torah. Any other questions? We'll hold it over here for now. We're up to Parav Chavtes. We should be Zarecha. The Gemara says that Shabbos is Emes. <coughs> and again, Shabbos is the seventh day of the week. <coughs> Shabbos is the combination of those two shins that we spoke about. There's a posik Sos Anoichi Alim Rosecha, Kemoitse Shalal Rav. I, I'm happy, I, I rejoice, I enjoy your words, Hashem, like a person who has discovered a fantastic treasure. And the word sus is those two shins. <clears throat> it's brought that Shabbos represents emes, because the Gemara says that on Shabbos, even an Amoritz is afraid to lie. We should be zeichet. This is the first Shabbos after Pesach. We should be zeichet to renew our, our love and respect for Shabbos on Erev Shabbos, to make all the proper hachonets for Shabbos, to welcome the Shabbos with simcha, with respect, and be zeichet to, to know that we're in an oilam asheker and to, to strive, to daven constantly, every day, that we say in the morning, that Hashem should, should reveal the emes to us. We should get to higher and higher levels of emes every day, and Hashem should send us Moshiach, who will be the ultimate revelation of emes. Thank you, Avnasan. Question, <clears throat> what, is, what is there in Shabbos that makes it represent Emes? <clears throat> the, the, the Sifre Kabbal explain that on Shabbos, everything is elevated. <clears throat> the, the negativity is eliminated. The klipois, the sitrachra, the forces of Sheker are given a major blow and are detached from the Emes. So we're able to see a clearer emes. During the six days of the week, there's all kinds of klipois and tumas that are involved. We're told that as we enter into Shabbos, Hashem disconnects them, removes them. They're put back into their cages. They're put back down into, the, into their pit. And so at Shabbos, we're being given a much clearer, a, a light without the darkness, without the clouds, without the dirt. Jarvis. Jarvis. Thank you.